My big brother, Ben, is a wonderful sleeper. My brother can take a nap like it's his full-time job. He's really good at it. He's a super hard worker. He's a really good dad. He's a great husband. And I think he gets really tired. And he sleeps when he's tired. Even if it's not bedtime, he can just, just start sleeping anywhere. Uh, I've gone hunting with my brother and come back to the truck, and there he is in the truck asleep. We've gone fishing, waves crashing around us, and I look over, my brother's sleeping in the boat. He's a really, really good sleeper. He knows how to sleep. Well, in today's Bible passage, we're going to hear about a young man who was apparently pretty good at sleeping. Today's sermon is entitled, The Dangers of Sleeping During the Sermon. Now, I will say as your pastor, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Pastor Dirk knows this as well. Pastor Richard, the choir, probably knows this to some extent. When we are on this stage, we see you, <laughs> okay? In case you think we don't see you when you're on your phone or when you're sleeping or when you're elbowing your spouse, we can see you, okay? There's a couple spots behind the poles that you might want to find uh, if, you, if you like to not be seen. But we see you, and some of you sleep. And I always say, people say, Pastor, I'm sorry I slept. And I say, I'm not angry about that at all. You can't help it, right? When you're tired, you sleep. I don't usually sleep during the sermon because I'm preaching the sermon. <laughs> Although I won't count it off as something that will never happen. But, you know, you really can't help it when you sleep. It's something that just comes upon you. And we're going to see that's what happened today with this young man. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And let's ask God miraculously to speak to us as we study his word and see what we can learn from Acts chapter 20. Join me now in prayer. God, again, we are grateful for your word. Grateful for the book of Acts, a picture of what was happening in the early church. We thank you for the ministry of the apostles and how we can see how you were at work after Jesus ascended into heaven to be with you. And Father, we pray now that as we study your word, you teach us your ways. Show us, God, how we can be more like Jesus. Lord, if someone here this morning is lost in their sin, still without a Savior, even now, God, may your spirit draw them to yourself, soften their hearts, open their minds, open their blind eyes and deaf ears to the need to be saved from their sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, typically it's my fashion to preach uh, verse by verse through a book of the Bible, and we're getting really close to getting back to that. Uh, I, I will conclude, Lord willing, our series called Weird Stories from the Bible next time we meet. And then after that, we'll go into First and Second Timothy. So I'm going ahead and just writing it down in stone. We're going to First and Second Timothy next. And so you can prepare yourself for that. But I like to... Uh, preach these weird stories, and you all have seemed to enjoy them. And this is a weird story we have in Acts chapter 20. Now, I want to give you a little background about what is happening in Acts 20 because I haven't preached chapters 1 through 19 yet. Uh, but after Jesus rose from the dead, we see in Acts chapter 1, we see the last moments of Jesus on the earth, and then he ascended into heaven to be with God the Father, and the Holy Spirit came upon the church. In Acts chapter 2, we know about the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit uh, came miraculously, and things started changing. 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus, and the church in Jerusalem was formed. And then from there, the church spread 
through the ministry of the apostles. And one of the apostles that was raised up after the original 12 was a man named the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a missionary and a church planter and an apostle, and he raised up other missionaries, he raised up pastors, and he planted churches mainly throughout the Gentile world. When we say Gentile, we mean not Jewish. And so Paul saw that his ministry was a calling particularly to the non-Jewish people of the ancient world. And so Paul went around and he planted churches and he was very effective in doing that. And Paul took the gospel to many cities, including a city named Troas, which is where we are today in Acts chapter 20. So look in your Bibles at Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 7, and then I'll read through verse 12. On the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. By the way, I want to pause here. Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts. So this is Luke speaking. Luke was a companion of the apostles. So if you say, who's we? This is Luke speaking. I'll start over. On the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were assembled, and a young man named Eutychus was sitting on a windowsill and sank into a deep sleep as Paul kept on talking. When he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead. But Paul went down, bent over him, embraced him, and said, Don't be alarmed, because he's alive. After going upstairs, breaking the bread, and eating, Paul talked a long time until dawn. Then he left. They brought the boy home alive and were greatly comforted. So we have here a weird story, right? And it is indeed weird that Pastor Dirk thinks this is funny, okay? This, this little boy dying. But nevertheless, uh, we do have this story here. It's a weird story. I've never, I've been, I'm still fairly young. I'm only 40, almost 41. But I've never heard of this happening in a sermon, ever. I've had some strange things happen. For some reason, when I first became pastor, strange things happened every week, it seemed like. I don't know why, but those things have calmed down. I'm grateful to the Lord for that. Uh, but I've seen some weird things happen, but I've never seen someone fall out of a window and die while I was preaching. And this happened, though, to this young man named Eutychus. By the way, it may interest you to know that's a weird name, Eutychus. That I, haven't, I don't know anyone named Eutychus, but the name Eutychus actually means fortunate. But it was not a very fortunate thing that happened to him, was it? <laughs> he fell asleep, fell out of the window. But then he was fortunate that the way things ended, the Apostle Paul embraced the young man and he came back to life. Indeed, something special happened in this story. But as we study this story, we're going to see there's more than one special thing that is present in this story. And if you're taking notes, you can look in your bulletin or write in your own note-taking device, whatever it might be. The first point is this. There is something special about the fellowship of God's people. There's something special about the fellowship of God's people. When we speak of fellowship, some of you have heard that word a lot, but you may not know what it means. When we speak of fellowship, we simply mean gathering and spending time together gathering and spending time together so one aspect we repeatedly see in the new testament concerning the early church is that they gathered frequently they got together 
They spent time together. They, they gathered. They fellowshiped. Church, we should enjoy, churches should enjoy being together with one another in fellowship. We should enjoy that. That's part of what it means to be the church. And in this case, the church gathered in Troas, probably at someone's house, and they hung out all night. I mean, this is, a, this is like a youth lock-in, okay? All night long, they are gathered together. We should have a bond together with one another that we enjoy being together. Now, I've talked about this before. I don't want to be too repetitive. I think it's worth noting, though, some of us are extroverts. Some of us are introverts. Some of us like spending time with people more than others. I understand that. But generally speaking, we should enjoy being around our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, we need to be clear. This was a special circumstance. From what we know, Paul was about to leave town, and it wasn't like he was just going to the next town. Paul traveled far away, so he oftentimes wouldn't see people for a long time. Perhaps he would never see them again. And so they're spending a lot of time with Paul during his last night there to soak up every last ounce of what Paul wanted to teach them. So I'm not suggesting that we all have to spend every night in a lock-in together, okay? But this was a regular occurrence in the New Testament, and it should be a regular occurrence for the churches today to gather together, to fellowship together, to hang out together. By the way, I think it's also worth noting, you don't have to gather in the church building in order to be the church. I hope you know that. You don't have to gather in the church building. This building is not the church, right? These people, and some who aren't here today, this is the church, the people. The building is a building. The building can come and go. We can change buildings. We could, we could meet somewhere else, but we would still be the church. In fact, sometimes people say to me, Pastor, I wish we had more services, and here's the reason they give, because I really enjoy being with my church family. Well, I don't know when we started thinking that we have to schedule something in this building in order to fellowship with our church family. When did we start thinking that? And if you need me as your pastor to sanction something in order for you to have fellowship, then here it is. I'm sanctioning it. Go! Hang out with your church family. Love one another. Eat together. Watch movies together. Go shopping together. Pray together. Serve other people together. Cry together. Laugh together. Spend your lives together. Vacation together. I am sending you out. You are sent. This is the official church announcement. Fellowship with your church family, okay? So it is now sanctioned to do so. You don't have to gather in this building, although it's very important that we gather together for worship, for fellowship. You can do fellowship anytime, any place with your church family. You can fellowship with five people. You can fellowship with 500 people. Fellowship, spend time with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I was recently in a discussion with some other pastors and some other church leaders, not from our church. Uh, we were talking about online attendance, online church online attendance and I told them that at our church we don't track online attendance and I'm not uh, not in a judgmental way I wasn't trying to say well we don't believe in that it wasn't that I was just saying we don't do that I couldn't tell you what our online attendance is because there is no such thing for First Baptist Church Bartow we don't have an online worship service now we do have online resources and to be honest with you for our size church I think we do fairly well with our online resources we believe that they are a resource 
but they are not the actual worship service. Our goal is to get people together, face-to-face, in worship and in fellowship with one another. That is what the church is. And now more than ever, I believe that with all my heart. We must gather together. We gather together in this room at 1045 for worship together. We could change that if we wanted. There's nothing sacred about 1045 a.m. on Sundays. But we gather for worship, but we can fellowship anytime. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In Acts chapter 2, early on in the book of Acts, it describes the early church this way. Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread, that means they ate, from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Church, there is something special about the fellowship of God's people. And we must believe in the power of the fellowship of God's people. That's our first point. Second, we see there is something special about the message of God's people. There is something special about the message of God's people. Notice in this passage that it says four times that Paul was speaking or talking. In verse 7, it says Paul spoke to them. And then again, at the end of verse 7, it says Paul kept on talking until midnight. And then in verse 9, it says Paul kept on talking. And then in verse 11, it says Paul talked a long time. I would say that's an understatement, right? He talked a long time. And this is wild, isn't it? I mean, to hear someone teaching for this long. Now, surely there were breaks throughout, I hope for Paul's sake, there were breaks throughout the evening. But this is crazy. I mean, at our church, and I'm not trying to be hard on you, but at our church, I finished the last point in the little blank there, and people start packing up and looking for the door, you know. And, you know, if I went till midnight, you would say, Pastor, you're way past noon, all right? Noon's kind of like, we're looking to get out by noon, and we're at midnight at this point, right? And so this is, I mean, this is wild that Paul's teaching this long. However, the church at Troas, they gathered together, presumably around dinner time. It said they were eating, and then Paul spoke until midnight. But that's not the end. Paul took a break to raise a dead boy back to life, and then he spoke until dawn. And if you don't know where dawn dawn is, that's when the sun comes up. They started around dinner time, and as any good Christian would do, they should eat dinner around 6 p.m., okay? I'm a person of routine. If we're not eating by 6, I'm thinking something's wrong, okay? So let's just say, hypothetically, it's around 6 p.m., and then he teaches for six hours until midnight. And then, if you know, some of you don't wake up before the sun comes up, but, but for those of us who do, the sun usually comes up around 6 a.m. So from midnight to 6 a.m. is another, to dawn is another six hours. So Paul was potentially speaking for 12 hours. 
12 hours. You might say, well, why, why are these people gathered together? I mean, that's just crazy. I'll admit, that is crazy. I've never listened to somebody teach for 12 hours. I don't know that I ever would. I might. Perhaps, if the Apostle Paul was here, I'd probably schedule some time to listen to him. But the people continued to stay and listen to Paul. Why? Because Paul was God's apostle. And he carried the message for God's people. He carried the message for God's people. And there is something special about the message of God's people. God's people can carry with them and pass on to others God's supernatural, Holy Spirit-filled message. We must never underestimate the message of God among his people. We must never underestimate that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, Paul says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. Through us. We read in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. We read in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. In James chapter 1, verse 21, James says, Humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Church, there is power in the word of God. There is power in the message of God's people. When Jesus left this world, he said he would send his Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and many other places before that. And he said when he sent his Spirit, he would give us power to be witnesses of all that he said and all that he did. And we, the people of God, have the message of Jesus. And we are to share that powerful message, listen, with each other and with other people. We are to share that with each other and with other people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in on a little pastoral secret in case some of you want to be pastors. And by the way, I think some of you may indeed be pastors sometime. God may call you to be a pastor. You might say, Pastor Matt, I'm, I'm old. Okay, that's all right. We need old pastors too. We need young pastors. We need old pastors. We need, or God may call you to be a missionary or some type of counselor, or God may call you to work with youth or children, but I want to let you know a little pastoral secret, okay? This is for free. You don't have to go to seminary to do this, okay? I am really, some of you already know this, I'm really bad at counseling. I'm just not, I'm not a good counselor. I'm not very empathetic. I'm not very sympathetic. I'm not very compassionate. I think I'm a, I'm a loving person, but it's hard for me to express that sometimes. But there is power in the message of God. And when someone is hurting, the best thing I can do for them is to tell them what the Word of God says about them and about their life. When they are anxious, I can say, pray that God will give you peace so that you're not anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. I can say that. I can say the word of God and there's power in the message. So we should encourage one another. When we are in sin, we should use the word of God to call each other to repentance. When we are fearful, we should use the word of God to encourage us not to be 
fearful of anything except God himself and trust in his greatness and majesty. When we are confused, we should say, hey, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. We don't have to have it all figured out, but he loves us and he cares for us. We should remember the word of God and we should encourage each other with the powerful message. And also, we should take the message to other people who are lost and dying without the hope of the gospel. The gospel is their only hope There is power. There's something special about the message of God's people. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm going to tell you what, Paul was a very smart guy. But Paul said, I don't know anything except Jesus and him crucified. There's power. There's something special about the message of God given to his people and given through his people. That's why we gather together for preaching of God's word. That's why we gather together in small group to teach God's word. That's why we call each other for encouragement and prayer. That's why we share the message with others. That's why churches gather in secret all over the world right now as we speak in fear of persecution because they believe there's something special about the message of God. So they're gathered together in fellowship and they're gathered to hear the message. And that's why the church in Troas gathered for 12 hours to hear from Paul. Because there's something special about the message of God's people. Finally, point number three, there is something special about the power of God's people. Something special about the power of God's people. Now I've mentioned this over and over throughout our series called Weird Stories from the Bible. In fact, if you, I believe with the exception of the first sermon, all of these are miracles. The first one was a guy marrying his sister, okay? That's not miraculous, that's weird. <laughs> but I think all the others since then were uh, miracles that happened, that took place, where God intervened and did something supernatural. So I've mentioned this over and over in our series, but we need to understand that God can work miracles through his people. We must believe that, church. He's promised it time and time again. And he's done it time and time again. What God did through the Apostle Paul. By the way, this was a miracle. Okay, again, I've mentioned this with some of the other stories. People sometimes try to discount. They're like, oh, well, he wasn't really dead. You know, well, it says in the Bible he was dead. (laughs) And if we start changing what the Bible says, I mean, it's, well, might as well just make it whatever we want to make it, right? The Bible says he was dead. And it says that they were all amazed when this young man came home alive. He was dead, and this was an absolute miracle. Verse 10 says, Paul went down, bent over him, embraced him, and said, don't be alarmed. He's alive. Now, some people say, well, that right there, Paul says he's alive. Well, this reminds me of the story of Jesus. Remember the official of the synagogue, his daughter had died. And Jesus went to heal the little girl who had died. And there were people actually already mourning her death, professional hired mourners, as was common in the Jewish culture. And Jesus replied, she's not dead, she's merely sleeping, right? Now, it doesn't mean she was literally sleeping. Jesus is saying she's going to be alive again. That's what Paul's saying here. He's going to be alive. He is alive. This is a miracle when God brought life back to this young man, Eutychus through the power of his people. 
And God is still working powerfully today through his people. I don't often share uh, stories from my family unless they're humorous. But I want to share a story with you about my wife. Um, it's something my wife got to experience and the power of God among his people. Uh, we were at a, a small retreat not too long ago for pastors. And my wife, Jennifer, got to get away with it for a few minutes with another pastor's wife. We had been there. We were down in Bradenton. And they had been there a while, and the other pastor's wife said, I didn't even get to see the beach. Now, if you know my wife, she'll do anything for people. And she said, well, get in the car. We're going to see the beach. So they went to the beach, and as we were staying close to there, they said, let's go see the beach because we're so close. And this pastor and his wife, they were going through a really difficult time through a church in another state, through some things they were experiencing. And somehow... Uh, Jennifer and this other lady mentioned how they love the beach. And Jennifer, my wife, prayed specifically that this couple would find a new church that is close to the beach. Now listen to what this pastor's wife recently texted to my wife, Jennifer. She said, good evening, Jen. I hope you are well. I wanted to thank you for praying for me a few months ago in October. I will never forget your encur you encouraging us to take a few steps into the water and to pray. You prayed a precious prayer to the Lord for my family, that he would lead us to a church that would cradle and love my family and to a church that needed us too. You also prayed at the end that God would bring us to a church near the beach. I was so blessed that day by your prayer and hid the prayer in my heart and prayed many days as we waited on the Lord. I wanted to tell you that we moved to a city near the beach to serve at a church named Beach Church. The Lord heard your prayer, and I wanted you to know, friend, we bought a home and live about 10 minutes from the beach. God shows off sometimes. Isn't that amazing, church? God is amazing. He, he does powerful things through his people. There's something special about the power of God's people. These two ladies who loved the Lord came together in prayer, and God did something miraculous. Now, I want to be clear. God does not promise all of us a home near the beach. Some of you have started praying right now. Okay, here's a, you're going to ask Jennifer to pray for you. Pray that I go to the beach, Jennifer. Okay, he doesn't promise that to all of us. Quite the contrary. Sometimes God's sovereign will for us is actually to suffer. The apostle Paul suffered tremendously. Jesus suffered. All the apostles suffered. Most of the early Christians suffered today at this moment christians risk their lives to even even gather together so god doesn't promise that to all of us but we can lift any prayer to god and god does promise us this he said jesus said in matthew 16 18 on this rock i will build my church and the gates of hades will not overpower it there is power in god's people there is power in the church, and God can do something special through his people. There's something special about the power of God's people. Let this bottom line summarize what God is teaching us in this passage. There's something special about what God does through his people. I love gathering together in worship. I love singing. I love preaching. I hope on some, some level you love hearing preaching. I love 
fellowships. I love, you know, tonight we'll be gathered together for a fellowship, a soup fellowship. But there's power among the people of God. We must never forget. We're not gathered simply to gather. We're gathered because God has called us together with miraculous power to be the church he's called and created us to be. God did something special through his people at the church in Troas, and he still does special things through his people. Lives are changed. Prayers are answered. Communities are transformed. Countries that are close to the gospel have churches raised up. Chains of addiction are broken. Fear is eliminated. Gossip is killed. Churches are transformed all because the power of God and the special work that he does among his people. Never forget the special fellowship of God's people. Never forget the special message of God's people. And never forget the special power of God's people. As we leave, here's a couple things you can do this week to live out some of what we learned in this passage. Challenge yourself. Two weekly challenges. Number one, identify what is special about the local church. Now, if you've been here for any amount of time, I hope you learned some things, if if you didn't know them already, that are special about the church. But take some time this week and think about, ask yourself, what is special about a local gathering of God's people together in fellowship and worship and accountability? What is special about that? I've said it many times, and I'll say it again. The local church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. God is working through his church. So take some time this week to dive into God's word and learn what it says about the power of the local church. What does God promise to do through his church? What can God do in our church? Weekly challenge number two, identify how you can be used by God in our church. Identify how you can be used by God in our church. Now to be clear, God's already using many of you. Praise God. I hope you know how grateful your pastors are for how God is using you at your church. But ask yourself this week, how can God use me? How can God use you, one of his people, to do something special in his church? Just this week, I spoke to two of our new members. It was such a joy when they asked me, how can I be used at our church? How can I serve our church? I love that. I love talking to people. Say, Pastor, I want to serve our church. How can I do that? God can do something special in this church and in the world through you by using you for his glory. So ask yourself that question this week. And as we come to a conclusion, I want to say that God can do something special in in his church through you. But first, God has to do something special in you. If you've never been changed by Jesus, the most special thing that could ever happen to you, the most powerful thing that could ever happen to you is when God changes you on the inside and it changes everything else. The Bible says God created us and we were good. Part of all his creation, God looked at his creation and said it is good. And we were in relationship with God. We were his children. We had fellowship with him. But then the Bible says Adam and Eve, the first Humans chose to reject God's ways and sin against God. 
Sin means doing anything outside of God's will and design and commands. And we sinned. We rejected God's ways. Adam and Eve rejected God's ways and did their own thing. And death came into the world as a result of sin. But the reality is Adam and Eve were not the only ones to sin. If you spend any amount of time around other people, you know they are sinners. And when they spend time around you, they know that you are a sinner. (laughs) The Bible says, just as death came into the world through one man, or just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death came to all people, because all sin. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, his standard, his glorious standard. The Bible says the payment, the wages of sin is death. Our sin separates us from God and brings us death. That's a terrible problem. But the Bible also says that God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what we call the gospel. The word gospel means good news. The bad news is that we are sinners and there is death reserved for us. The good news is that Jesus paid the death penalty for us on the cross. He died a criminal's death, never committing sin himself. He died in the place of sinners. One of those sinners who was crucified with him looked over at him and said, Remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus replied, today you will be with me in paradise. The Bible is very clear. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And he will do something special in you. And then the Bible says Jesus did not stay dead. He rose to new life. He rose from the grave. He appeared to people. We read about that in the first part of Acts chapter 1. We see how Jesus was on the earth, risen again. And then he ascended back into heaven and he told us as before he left, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There is power for the one who is in Jesus. There is power for the one who has their sins forgiven. There is power for the one who has new life. And you must call upon the Lord, ask him to forgive you of your sins, to make you new, and to give you the power of God. And the Bible says, as we sang earlier, that Calvary, which is the place where Jesus was crucified, the name of the place is Calvary or Golgotha. Calvary, what happened there, bought us treasure now and forever. Not the treasures of the world, not necessarily a home near the beach, although some of you may get that. If you do, call your pastor, let him know. But treasures of heaven that were never, never rust, never spoil, never fade, can't be destroyed by a hurricane, can't be destroyed by an earthquake. There's power in the promises of God. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song we call the Response Song. We're going to sing, Pastor Dirk, one of my favorite songs. His mercy is more. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. And so for those of you who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, if you've had something special happen in you, as we sing, remind yourself and give glory to God that though our sins were many, the mercy of Jesus is more. And accept the fact that God wants to do something special through you and through his church.
And for those who may be here this morning and you do not know Jesus as your Lord, you are still lost in your sin. I hope the Holy Spirit will show you, as he showed me as a boy eight years old, that my sins are many and there are consequences for my sins. And the consequences not only involve a physical death, as all of us will suffer, but much more a spiritual death in a real place called hell and separation from God forever. But God's mercy is more. And there's forgiveness. There was forgiveness for that young boy. And there is forgiveness for you. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. I'll be standing down here with my family. I'd love to talk to you if you want to walk down as we sing. We want to invite you to walk down. We're asking you to walk down. Maybe you need to come down here and spend some time in prayer on these steps. There's nothing special, but some people find something special happening when they spend some time alone with the Lord in prayer. We're inviting you to respond however God is leading you. Maybe right where you stand as we sing, God's doing something. We invite you to respond. Come grab one of our pastors. Pastor Richard will be down here as well. Just let us know you want to follow the Lord or you have a question about what it means to trust in Christ or, or the next step you need to take in your spiritual walk or, or maybe there's something happening in your life for which you'd like prayer. Please come respond as God is leading. There's something special about God's church. Join me now in prayer as we prepare to sing.